Um, next week actually starts the beginning of Lent, and I'll confess that uh, while we've got a series going, we have no, um, normally we'll have a, a, a series with everything coordinated. It's probably not going to look like that just now. And this is our first Sunday in um, what I'm calling the Farikarakia, which is kind of room of prayer, which I like a lot more than auditorium. And I like it because auditorium is a place that you go to study or to fall asleep in front of university lecturers. Kieran, you're finished, so you can nod your head. Yep, yep, I've got it there. <laughs> or throw paper darts at each other. Um, a house of prayer just hints at something more than that, which is what we hope. Uh, Linda and I were up in um, Rotorua a couple of weeks ago, and we were walking around Hell's Gate. Anyone been through Hell's Gate? I've got this thing about um, geothermal things, because when I was young, I did a lot of kayaking, and that took you around that area. And it's, it's nice to look at, but you can't do anything. But uh, when we were there, we read a story, which I wish I'd taken a photograph of, because I haven't got the dates right. Quite early in New Zealand's history, when they were sending off a sporting team, they thought, we need an emblem to summarise who we are as a country, to appear on our lapels and that kind of thing. And uh, so there was a bit of discussion about what it was to be, and one of the contenders was the Kiwi. Now, and a Kiwi's not a bad one. We're known for the Kiwis. Uh, it's not always a perfect thing. When I first went to America, I, um, in America, people spot that you have an accent, or they don't spot that they have. And, and they, they'll comment on it. And so um, I remember talking to a fruit seller, and he said, where are you from, New Zealand? Oh, the land of the Kiwi. And I said, yes. And he said, oh, we eat those here. And then I realised he mean kiwi fruit, but that's how they sold them. But in actual fact, when they came up with this idea, they thought they'd use the kiwi, and a group of Maori came to the group and said, you know, you don't want to do that. Well, why is that? And we said, well, you know, it's, um, they're a bit stupid, they're slow, they can't fly, they don't see particularly well, and we eat them. So don't use that for your sporting emblem. Um, and so there was a bit of discussion, and instead they suggested the silver fern. Here it is, the silver fern there. Now, to, um, to New Zealanders of non-Maori descent, that probably meant an attachment to home, because the silver fern does actually apparently only grow in New Zealand. There are lots of other ferns that grow, and um, for people in the South Island, they're usually up north. So you see them more on the North Island than you do in the South, and probably up around um, Nelson Lakes, Abel Tasman, I imagine you would have them there. Um, but I'm not a botanist. For the Maori, it had a, few other, um, had a few other meanings. It had something to do with strength and stubborn resistance and enduring power. Uh, but there was another bit to it. When, um, when a Maori war party goes out, they will usually be at night. And the first person at front, well, you don't want them all in a group because they'll make too much noise. So they're one to two metres apart, and they're travelling at night in this long line, and they're trying to make no noise. And there's not a lot of tracks, so it's incredibly easy to get lost. So what they would do, the front leader of the party would turn over a fern and point it in the direction to which it was going. So here it is. I've managed to get, came across this in Rotorua. This is a silver fern. You see how bright it looks? So at night, the back end of the silver fern shines. So the leader of the party would point it in the direction that he's going, and every other party would go, oh, yep, and that would tell them which way to go, and then the last person in the party would turn it back over so that if any enemy came along, they couldn't find it. And for that reason, to this day still, for us, 
The silver fern has become an emblem of New Zealand in sports, hasn't it? Did anyone else know that backstory? I don't know. Excellent, well done. <laughs> so, in the background in the last half a year or longer, we've been praying and talking about vision. And we've got a new building, which we're trying on for size, and we're still praying and exploring and, and wondering about vision. And I think there's a fear that maybe we're treading water or aimlessly wandering. Okay? So what's our silver fern is a question that I think some of us are asking. It's a good question. It's a question of vision. It's a question that says, what are we here for? And for me, church is about following Jesus. Gathered or scattered, that's what we're here for. To be and grow followers of Jesus. I'm speaking for me, not speaking for everyone. So I figured early on in the year it would be worth in our new building just to remind us all we're about following Jesus. I've got a mate up north. He says this about church. He says, church exists to sustain people in their following of Jesus Christ in the world. And then he says, and to introduce others to that journey. He didn't want the last part because he figured that's implicit. If you're going to follow Jesus, then you are going to want to introduce people. But there were people concerned, and so he put it in there. I was adding something for Parklands. I'd add something. I think this is a church that has a very long history about knowing Christ is hope for all. Lots of our efforts of doing things in the community have been about that. But my mate at North then sort of expanded. He said, so what that means in church, you kind of want to build connections. You want to tell the story of God and our stories. You want to offer acceptance and forgiveness. And that actually the way we are together models a new way of being. Make some sense? Well, let's run that past a story of following Jesus. Bit of background. When John the Baptist was born, he was instantly streamed into a special class. A special class with a special diet. He had, he was, um, his dad was told he was going to be gifted and special, a prophet of the Most High. An angel had promised he would be filled with God's Holy Spirit and cause many to turn to God. So he ends up in a special school, special diet, and ends up eating only locusts and honey. And in fact, he becomes quite a harsh figure. He wears a camel hair coat. Now, that's a coat that's made out of something really deliberately scratchy. So if you thought of a coat made of barbed wire, that would be a bit too extreme. But a coat that there's just no comfortable way to wear it. So you know those really old bush shirts when you first get them? Maybe a little bit like that. I'm speaking to older people here, younger people, just no idea. And actually, scratchy and uncomfortable is probably a good image of John. He's the guy who stands and says, Repent, for you are sinful people. Repent. He's the guy who called people a brood of vipers, who told them that the axe was coming for the roots of the tree. Oh, and by the way, if you have two cloaks, give one away to someone who doesn't have any. If you have more than the food you need, empty your cupboard. John knew his people were sinners and trapped in sin and patterns of sin and offered to baptize them as a symbol of change, just a symbol because he knew that taking away sin and shame, that's not something humans do well. But he said someone was coming. And listening to John, John who talks about how he's coming to thrash the grain, to beat the living daylights out of us until we shape up, right? You kind of figure he's looking for the lion of God. And then Jesus fronts up. He's baptized and there's a dove. 
And so in the book of John, Jesus, John sees Jesus and calls him the Lamb of God twice. It's not an image that's used anywhere earlier than that. And it's an unusual image. For, for Jews, that's got hints of the Passover lamb who took away sin and the passing over of that. It's got hints of being rescued from God by slavery, sorry, rescued by God from slavery, and the spirit of death passing over. And in hindsight, when you read Isaiah 53, you'll see a suffering servant linked with a lamb, but that's new for them there. Anyway, two of John's followers were Andrew and another was John. Here we go. So this is from John chapter 1, verse 35 onwards. The following day, John was again standing there with two of his disciples. He saw Jesus there, sorry, um, he saw Jesus walking by and said, Look, there goes God's lamb. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Well, hang on for a moment. Let's just imagine it's you. You've been hanging around with this awkward, uncomfortable bloke who says things that you know are true, but they just keep getting under your skin. And has said a number of times, it's not me. I'm not the one. And he looks across and he says, that one's God's lamb. So what would you do? Well, they decide, okay, let's go check this guy out. And they head off towards him. I imagine that he's walking somewhere and that they're catching up with them because um, Jesus is going to have to turn and see them, which is what happens next. Jesus turns and saw them following him. What do you want, he asks. The first question that Jesus asks of his people who want to follow him is, what do you want? It's a really good question. What are you longing for? The difference between wandering aimlessly and going in a direction is going after something you want. John wanted them to repent. Jesus wanted to know, what do you want? If it were you, what would you say? I want my friend healed. I want peace. I want a happy life. I want a way out. I want to be whole. How would you answer the question, what do you want? Hint, if you're thinking of the latest phone, you can probably do better. And their response is, they ask, where are you staying? Where do you live? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? What is your place? When you go to someone's house, you see where someone stays, you see who they are. It's kind of a, can we hang with you question? Can we spend some time together? And this is the point where I think if it was us, We'd say, well, well, become my followers. Listen to me. Take up your cross. I'm going to change you. Jesus' response for that is, come and see. Wow, this is different to John the Baptist. Repent. 
The time has come, fall on your knees. Here is Jesus, Lamb of God, humble servant. There's softness and humility and gentleness. Come and see. So they stayed the afternoon. Straight after this, Andrew, who is the brother of Simon Peter, goes and gets Simon Peter. And I will confess, look, I love this painting. I have it up on my wall in the office. This is the painting of Simon being asked by Jesus to follow him. And I just love how he's kind of caught in this moment of, am I going to do this or not? Because I think we spend a lot of time there. Am I going to do this or not? So what would that tell us about being and becoming followers of Jesus? Well, I wanted to say, me being here, I'm praying for, in the next next half year, for us to have people who decide to become followers of Jesus here. And for baptisms. And I'm hoping the new building helps with that. But it won't be the thing that makes it happen. I think right from the start here, you can Jesus say, you can see Jesus saying, come and see. Come and see me warts and all. Now in our view, he's got no warts, you know, because he's the son of God. But actually, he's still a person with personalities. I think we're supposed to model what it is to be followers of Jesus. To point towards Jesus. And I find it interesting that Andrew and John find their way to Jesus because, well, a few things have happened in this story, haven't you? First of all, there's that awkward angular guy, John the Baptist. Someone who can name Jesus as the Lamb of God. Not images that went well together at that stage. Someone provoking. You don't have to like a John the Baptist. In fact, often we don't. These are often people who'll say things that are provoking. This is a Grunewald painting, and uh, this is John the Baptist here. Um, Good evangelical, he's got his um, Bible in his hand. He's pointing out at Jesus, and the the painter's snuck in the Lamb of God to try and make the link. That In that painting, for me, it's clearly the crucified Jesus, and then the next most standing out figure is that hand doing this. Someone to point you to Jesus. And then there's the question of what do you want? Now, I've got to say, in my church tradition, not being so good about that because I think I've tended to assume it's about what Jesus wants, and it is about what Jesus wants. But what we want is also part of that. So I learned for a long time to kind of crush that down. But actually, There are some strong Christian traditions that say, pay attention to this. This is how you're made. What do you long for? What do you want? That's going to be part of how you follow Jesus. And then there's a come and see. Come come around to my place. So can I come around to your place now? Will you come to mine? What goes in your head when I say that? How many people think, how tidy is it? Do I have food? Because if you come and see, you get to see how things are. And we're, I, I think, 
I just think we've been suckered into church, into thinking we're supposed to be great all the time, this living billboard. But the billboard is how we relate to each other. So come even though maybe a mess. There's a view out there that says going to church should be like going to the petrol station. I come in for my top up and then I'm set for the rest of the week. Anyone felt like that? Anyone walked out of church going, well, I didn't know I had a top up there. So this will work. Yep, no, if you have really good worship and a stunning sermon. Yep, awesome. Trouble is, if you're thinking that way, it's all centered on you. Trouble is, well, look, I know not every sermon is good because I deliver them. <laughs> and there are some more than average. And it's exhausting trying to do our best impression for everyone, putting up our best face, never getting to relax. That's not what church is. It's come and see. Come and join in a cuppa and a joke. Have something to eat. Hang together. In the beginning of Genesis, when it talks about the image of God, it's interesting that the writer deliberately says, Male, uh, um, that were made in the image of God, male and female, he created them. It's an image that says maybe we see more of the image of God when there's more than one of us. It's a plural thing. Indifference and diversity. So rather than a petrol station, I'd prefer an image of church as a swap mart. And yet, for me, a bit of a touchstone verse has been 1 Corinthians 14.26. Now, admittedly, Paul's writing to this to a church that's a bit out of control overly enthusiastic, and he says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church might be built up, maybe built up. Now, how well do we do that? Well, if you think just now, not well at all, eh? I mean, at the moment you just listen to me. But if you start thinking wider than that, you think about the people that you talk with, the relationships you have, the conversations you have, how they shape you, how you shape them. There's always that exchanging going on in church. This is an image of church as a community. Or in fact, the main New Testament image is family, the family of God. So I quite like that idea of church, a place where we nurture connections and try to grow relationships. And there's this Maori word, Fananatanga, which is about growing relationships. Sometimes you see kindergartens have that on their, their mission statement. Fananatanga, growing relationships together. So have a look around you. These people around sitting next to you. Growing relationships. That's church. I haven't mentioned worship, have I? I haven't mentioned worship because worship isn't something that you just switch on, come in and sing some songs. Worship is whole life. Worship is how we give worth to things. So what that kind of has meant for me, we've, um, in our membership thing for Parklands, we asked two questions. Do you want to follow Jesus? First one, I think, is do you want to follow Jesus? Now, it comes out of a, an ancient document in a place where they just said, will you walk in the ways of Jesus, those made known and those yet to be made known? Do you want to follow Jesus? Question number one. Question number two is this. Oh, sorry, and, and this, is the, this is the vertical God-me relationship. And the second question is, do you want to follow Jesus with us? 
which is, will you walk with this community watching over one another in love? And that's the us-us relationship. That's church. Not the building. Lovely building, by the way. Really like it. Yep. Work to go, I know. Um, And you'll hear more about that. But actually, church isn't that. And people who come in here to come and see won't probably come here because it's a fantastic building. The building won't put them off. They'll come back a second time if what they see amongst us is relationships of love, is us modeling what it's like to follow Jesus. So, just some practical questions. If you're not a member and you'd like to become one, let me or one of the elders or Liz know. If you're an elder, could you stand up for a moment? I haven't told them they're going to stand up. Okay. So, they're less scary than me, so they're safe. <laughs> um, if you are a member, and this is what we're asking of people, I'd like you to be pausing and thinking, what does following Jesus look like in my life now? Now, it's not always an easy question to answer because life is complicated. And, you know, there's a lot of repetition in life. And, and what does that look like? And then the with us, this thing, with us, is about what we have in common, about life in common. And that has got to do with, again, look around you. Do you ever see these guys? If we only see us on a Sunday, some other connection would be gold. If you're feeling disconnected, well, if we want to follow Jesus as us, we have to have some connection. Now, listen, that can be done with tasks, and my goodness, we've got a lot of tasks. Volunteering to help at the church, that would be great. But actually, it's done in groups, in small groups. It's done in regular coffees. It's done in relationship together. And each of us ends up being a large architect of that. This is what I've got time and energy for. So mechanically, if you want to build on with us, then join a small group, or we're happy to help you start a small group. Find a regular gathering you can come to. Tag in and say, hey, I'm happy to do this task with some other people. This is how you get to know people. And those might be ministries. We've talked about mentoring, and there is some mentoring happening, but we're still exploring it. It's not all sorted for us. And then there's another bit for me that just fits in here, sharing what you love. I quite like riding a mountain bike, so going to try and create a WhatsApp group so that when I go out riding, I can say, anybody else want to go out for a ride? I know for those of you who don't have smartphones, ignore it. Um, Can't find the perfect way of doing it, trying to find something where you don't have to belong to Facebook. But sharing what you love. I love this, and I'm going to do it anyway. Is there someone who'd like to come with me? That's how you build a relationship together. And if I wanted to be, give you a task, I would say, if you think the us part is a challenge for you, well, try and find an excuse to have a coffee or meet with someone from church this week. Anyone. If you recognize, actually, I'm really struggling to figure out what following Jesus looks like here and now, Well, here's a suggestion. Take 15 minutes, either at the beginning of the day or the end of your day. Sit down and just ask yourself this question. 
Where did I sense God was close? And if the answer is nowhere, that's fine. Just ask that question because what we're trying to do is pay attention to God, what are you doing? This is a little bit like the difference between walking around my garden or walking around my garden becoming aware of weeds. As soon as you're aware of weeds, you start to do something about them. Just be aware of where God was or that would actually work really well in a dinner conversation. I don't know if I'd want to do it every day. Um, I come from a family uh, that didn't talk about uh, spiritual matters a lot. Um, And so I've found that a difficult conversation to have over dinner. Those are my kind of practical suggestions about what you might do. I'll go back to the start. The story we read, which was short, said, come and see. That's how these guys start their following of Jesus. I'd like to pray. And Can I have the team come up? Everybody here has a life. Everybody here lives somewhere, does things during their week. So how do we feel about saying to people, come and see? Well, for some of us, the first thing that comes to mind is the things that people might see that we don't want them to see. So for those things, God, we'd want to lift them to you and say, sorry, we'd like that to be better. Forgive us and help change us. That voice of John the Baptist, repent, never entirely goes away. But for many of us, there is space and we are uncertain how to invite people in. So God, this is your task, your goal. Cue us. Bend over the fern and point it in the direction that's right for us. Point it at the people you're calling us to. And give us the courage to open our lives. Take the risk to let people see us, our faith in you, our relationships, fractured though sometimes they are, and trust that you'll work through that. For the sake of your glory, and that we might be wholly us. Amen. Didn't win on a light off um, worship, not just worship and songs. I think we're going to sing. Jasper, you can decide. Which one do you want? We're going to sing Be Enthroned. Um, and then we're going to do the benediction again. Cheers. to join the song sung long before our lives to raise our voice along heaven and earth alike we've seen your face